Welcome to Face Value with me, Brock Elbank. I'm a London-based photographer who over the past decade has documented well over 500 incredible human beings from around the world for various portrait series, including beards, freckles, vitiligo, CMN, and most recently scars, with a simple aim to raise body positive and mental health awareness through my Instagram page, Mr. Elbank. This podcast, in conjunction with the Brock Elbank Foundation, goes back through my archive and has conversations with former subjects for these series to discuss their incredible journeys and inspiring stories. So please sit back, relax and enjoy. Thank you for listening. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Elizabeth Soff, and welcome once again to um, Face Value with me, Brock Elbank. Um, this this week's episode, um, I'm very lucky to have um, Elizabeth Soft's mum, Sinead, on. Um, and I'm just going to explain. So first of all, say hello, Sinead. Hello, Sinead. <laughs> hello, literally. So. <laughs> um, hello, Brock. How are you? I'm I'm very well, and it's lovely. Thank you for for coming on again uh, <laughs> this week. We we the broadcasting gods um, haven't shone down on on um, face value this week, even though we are hitting the charts of sorts i'm getting emails left right and center so we're getting a very good response so thank you to the people that are kindly listening in now sinead um is the mother of the wonderful elizabeth soff who i photographed in the after the second lockdown in was it 2019 or 2020 2020 was it I've lost. I track honestly of time. can't remember. When it did we record? July. When did we? When did we record this first episode? <laughs> Two days. <laughs> <laughs> Two days ago. It feels like I've aged about fifty years though since then. Uh, me and you both. Um, we had some amazing content, um, which we're going to hopefully um, be able to re- rediscover. Um, as we go on. So, um, Sinead got in touch with me in via, via Instagram, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was uh, through Instagram. I'd seen some of your work. Saw that you were looking for new models at the time. And I contacted you to see if um, if you were interested in Elizabeth. I loved the way you portrayed the varying different, you, you know, series that you've done from freckles to scars to birthmarks in a positive way. So I just thought that it would be quite nice to showcase Elizabeth in that way. And that was the reason I contacted you. Well, I mean, uh, I've got a, there's a special place in my heart for Elizabeth, and I and I genuinely mean that. And I think you do 
I think you know that. We've got a... It was very apparent within minutes of meeting Miss Cheeky Pants, as I call her, um, that we were going to get on famously. I mean... She was calling me Broccoli, um, which obviously was a was a close name to me going through school, let's face it. Um, I mean, the fact that she was this six-year-old, very confident, very positive, um, and calling me Broccoli, in, you know, within minutes sort of spoke volumes to me. Um, and... and I mean, I've I've since just watched in awe as as your daughter goes from strength to strength. I mean, she's she's just quite an incredible human being, isn't she, Mum? I mean, I know you're biased, but she really well, is. Well, normally, normally you're a little bit, you know, against your kids, aren't you? Like you know, people <laughs> tell you, you say, "Oh, yeah, she's all right," but she's, you know, you know, she doesn't keep her room tidy or whatever. But she's just. She's just amazing. There's no, there's no kind of words for Elizabeth. All that's kind of in her way, all that she has to face on a daily basis, from you know, from physiotherapy to, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is only small. But for such a young girl, she has to incorporate so much into her daily life. She has to, you know, cope with like judgment or stares or sniggers or hurtful comments, and she's still just so lovely, like. She's just a she's just a joy and, and sees the good in everyone. Doesn't see you know, she doesn't see what other people see. She's just a nice person. She's just lovely. Think, and again I'm gonna yeah. say it, it's down to the good parenting. It's all down to you, Sinead, and that's why we're just doing the interview without I've been her. waiting for that nice Because I, I think it's time for you to come out of the shadows of your youngest child and, and start getting the accolades that you thoroughly deserve, if, if, if nothing more, for audio technology. <laughs> oh, you see now that's, that's what I think yeah, I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm setting the bar low <laughs> as I intend to carry on um, but on a, on a serious note Sinead I mean um, I know we've uh, we, we've obviously discussed this before you even uh, came down and w w uh, Elizabeth was photographed um, but if you can just sort of go back to that awful i mean horrendous night and and sort of uh delve deep if you would please and sort of tell people what what happened and and what sort of the experiences were thereafter please sure so we were living in qatar in the middle east elizabeth does that matter i don't know what have you lost an earphone Sorry, oh, sorry, okay. listeners. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. I just got caught, got trapped somewhere. Um, I'm sorry. Um, we were, this is really serious. Come on. So we were living in Qatar in the Middle East and mm. Elizabeth was the youngest of my four children. And she was about just under six months old. I put her down for a nap. I heard her cry. And um, I'd literally walked as far as the bottom of the stairs. I heard her cry and she just wasn't one of those children that ever, that ever cried. Just a really content, quiet, peaceful baby. Um, and I, you know, you put that down to she's the youngest of four. You've got to fit in. You've got to, you know, kind of join, join the gang and, and make do. But because she never cried, I went straight back upstairs. 
And I always say, if it had been any of my other children, I probably would have left them. I probably would have said, oh, they, you know, they'll settle themselves, as you do with, mm. you know, a baby. Yeah, when you know how they are. Yeah, you kind of just know, don't you? Um, mm. So I went upstairs and literally stood on the landing. And the bedroom that she was in, which was my bedroom, the door was closed and there was just smoke pouring over the top of it. And you kind of stood there for a second thinking, what, well, you know, do I have time to go in? Do I have time to call the fire brigade? Do I have time to, you know, you, you kind of have that split second. So I, I tried to open the door. The door was burning hot and just kicked it in and the whole room was literally on fire. Just, yeah. and, and it's still even now. I always put back to, do you remember those video or um, ads that run years and years ago? Yeah. You you definitely remember them at your age. <laughs> but they there was Sorry. an ad for they used to do for the Christmas tree and about yeah, how quickly yeah. Christmas lights and, and mm. how quickly a fire takes hold. That's mm. literally from me walking down the stairs to back up again, the whole room was on fire from right. like her whole cot was just, you know, oh. on flames, the bed, everything. So I got her out. How was that? I mean, you must have been I mean, I know this is, uh, you know, I mean, very challenging to kind of go. I mean, I know you've discussed this before, but that initial thing when you've got such a small child, I mean, all we want is our kids to be happy, healthy and safe. Yeah, definitely. And, and literally in the blink of an eye, you, you've That was all f- changed. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I, I suppose I can tell the story on, on probably a little bit on, on autopilot at times because I've told mm. that many times. Yeah. But sometimes I sit back and I listen and think, oh, you know, to myself, and oh my God, you know, it really was. And and it was a horrific time to see such a tiny baby. Just She was just destroyed with, with, you know, her hair was gone. Instantly her ear had fallen off or melted, you know. Mm. Um, it was just horrific. Um, the only place Elizabeth wasn't burnt was where her nappy was and her back. Yeah. So, I got her downstairs. Was there anybody else? Describe. Was there anyone else there at this time? William was in, in the house. He was downstairs watching um, TV at the time. He was just well. He was nearly two, not quite two. And I remember running down the stairs, and we had like a live-in helper nanny, mm. as most people do, and you know, in the Middle East, yeah. she was in the house as well. And I ran down the stairs, just screaming. And I ran into the kitchen and then I thought, what about William? Because, you know, toddlers, will he yeah, wander upstairs into does. the middle of this fire? So I kind of left, went back, left because my head was all over the place. And I was just screaming at, um, at our nanny that lived with us, to, you know, to call to call the neighbours. Um, mm. She didn't have very good English, so wouldn't have been able to call the, the an ambulance or fire anybody. She wouldn't have been able to. So I called the fire brigade and ambulance and in that meantime, a whole, the whole compound that we lived on, there was just maybe 15, 20 people in the house all just passing buckets of water up to try and cool her down. But because of the time of year, the, the temperature from the tap is really, really hot. So you couldn't run her under a tap. Oh. So we, we were taking water from like a water cooler right. and people were passing up in buckets for me to, to cool her down. She was just, it was just horrific. My next door neighbour, her mother was um, over visiting from New Zealand and she just stood behind me. Just I remember I remember her cradling me as I was holding Elizabeth. Um, but I didn't... Give you a bit of support. Yeah, just like she was just holding me and I remember I was just, mm. I was wailing, I remember. Um, in the middle of all this, I rung Liam 
And he arrived home from work before an ambulance or the fire brigade had. So it was just insane. The amount of time we waited. Um, How long did you have to, do you know how long you had to wait? I don't know. I would say, I would, I don't know. I'd be lying if I was to give you a, a thing. I don't know. When they did arrive, no one was listening to me. I was telling them the house was still on fire. Nobody really seemed to understand that the whole house was literally on fire. My people were going into the house and I was trying to tell them, in the, you know, of all this, that um, the house was literally on fire. Um, anyway, we got Elizabeth off to the local, like, state hospital. Mm. And within minutes of being there, they said to us, you need to leave the country. She's not going to survive. So you've got that instant you know, panic. So what, what, I mean, obviously you're with, with your husband, Liam, at this point. Yeah, he was um, with us. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, we, you and I have got a very good, like, we we kind of break each other's balls, dare I say. I mean, I'm probably putting yeah. a, a PG up to a 15, but from the get-go, <laughs> we, we kind of got each other and know that we can be just really insulting, but we don't. Well, I don't mean it. You probably do, but, um, but I mean, how how on earth, um, you know, we we and you've joked about things, and you have this amazing capacity to put things into boxes and be quite matter of fact and and very strong. I mean, I, I mean, I'm the way you've described it just now wasn't how you described it the other day. And it's a lot more graphic. And yeah, it is. For me to, and it's amazing to hear you be so honest. But to be, I mean, as a parent myself, just the, the thought of being in that situation at that time, not being near friends and loved ones, family, the other side of the world, it must have been terrifying. Yeah, it was it was horrendous, but I was probably in I was probably in what well, I'm shock. sure I was in shock at the mm. time. But I think I think when they said you need to get her out of the country, we obviously had insurance, um, medical insurance, and you know all sorts of insurance which we thought covered us. But and I thought it would be as simple as another hospital can take her. But there's very few places in the world that treat burns as severely that as Elizabeth had from a child so young. Yeah. So there's two places just to put into perspective in the whole of the UK that would treat treat burns as as extensive as hers. Um you know we I suppose we naively thought we could go back to Ireland where both mine and Liam's family are from and you know in the midst we'll go back there and you know we'll be you know we'll have them to help us and look after us but there's nowhere even in the whole of the Republic of Ireland that would treat um that would treat burns like Elizabeth. So, so, where, so you, where, where's the two? So you've got Bristol and Birmingham are the two Bristol. places. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it was it was five days before we got Elizabeth out. So the with burns, uh, the longer the time progresses, the more um li- the less likely are the child is to survive because uh, you've got to remove the dead and burnt skin. So infection obviously starts to set in. So the longer you kind of leave it, you know, in place, right. um, it's it's more detrimental to, to everything, recovery, to survival. So we eventually, we were promised beds in a few different countries and then they never materialised. So we felt like we were, you know, moving forward. We were offered a bed in France, in Paris, I think, and then that fell through. And it was just like 
it was just like a five days of soul destroying. Mm. It was just horrific. And and I said to you the last time, all we ever wanted was for her to have a chance. You know, yeah. we knew her chances were really, really slim, but we we knew that she had no chance where we were. And we just wanted her to be given, you know, that sort of, we wanted, I suppose, as a parent for everything, you just want to feel like you did your absolute best. You did yeah. everything to, you know, make them happy to, you know, whatever. You, you just want to do everything to to give them that best chance. And that's all we wanted for her. So we were offered an opportunity to take her to a, on a private air ambulance out of Qatar and flown into London. So once Elizabeth was in London, Birmingham were able to offer her a bed because you can't hold a, you can't promise a bed to a child who it would take about 40 hours to kind of air ambulance her out of the Middle East mm. back to the UK. And you can't leave a paediatric intensive care bed blocked for that long. Right. Because if a local child or a child within the country was to become ill, that bed then couldn't be filled because you've promised it to a child right. abroad. So we took that risk to take her to London um, and it was a massive risk. But, it, you know, it was knocking on day five, day six at that point that, you know, we didn't really have a choice. So we took her to London and then Birmingham then were able to, to offer her a bed. Um, we've been here ever since. So, I mean, when when you've got... I mean, you like you say, you're on autopilot. I mean, I can't even comprehend the level of stress um and you know what if and why why and and all of that but when when you got to the uk and the the bed at birmingham um came available that must have been a r massive injection of hope if if nothing else at that point that you just sort of felt like you were getting somewhere because that's, that's a, that is a long time yeah, when I look back, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not. But it felt like, yeah, it felt like forever. years of waiting. And on the very last day, I remember being in in the hospital in Qatar, and I think it was when the France bed had fallen through, and I just lay on the floor crying, like wailing, yeah. like a banshee. And I remember doing it, and it wasn't long after then that we, you know, she was lucky enough to to get out, and you know, be given that opportunity to fly to the UK. But it's just, it just felt so hopeless at that point. Um, and I suppose that's when you realise how lucky we are in this country to have an NHS and have, a, you know, places to treat people. Mm. And until you need it, you don't actually realise we don't, you know, when I tell people that there's so few places that treat burns like Elizabeth, they're kind of like, really? Mm. You know, if a child in Ireland gets burnt as bad as she did, they'd be flown to the UK. Yeah. Um, so you know, unless you need these services, you don't actually have an appreciation of you know what you've got in your doorstep. Yeah, I mean, I always, I always say that you, you don't, you know, it's like your health. You only value your health when you're not healthy. It's like exactly. money. It's like having a job. Food yeah, on the take table, it for granted. Or, don't yeah. We? yeah. Um. So, just to kind of give the people who are kindly listening, Sinead, um, if you can just sort of give an idea of what, I know you've sort of mentioned some of the injuries that mm -hmm. Elizabeth sustained, but if you could explain the severity yeah. of that, please. 
So 60% of Elizabeth's body was burnt in the fire. Um, different places in the world describe burns in different um, degrees of depth and, and severity. So in this country, it's called like a full thickness burn. So most of her body have full thickness burns, which means it goes through all the layers of skin. Um, I believe in America, they call it like a third degree burn. Mm. So it's just basically on, on severity, depth of, of injury. So the only place she wasn't burnt, as I say, was her where her nappy was and her back. But those areas have all been, you know, skin grafted. Skin's been taken from them mm. and put elsewhere. So she's, she's scarred over her entire body, but from the burn injury, 60% of her body. So she's she's lost all of her hair except, you know, a very small patch at the back, which you can see in, in your photos. She's lost one of her ears, most of her fingers, um, but she can still do all she needs to do with the fingers that she does have. She can pinch and she can pull hair and, you know, pick her nose. And open a phone. <laughs> <laughs> see, what more do you need? That, um, that is everything. Yeah, so she's got, yeah, she's got very extensive injuries, but it's, um, you know, it, sometimes it's not about the percentage or it's not about, you can have a very small, to me, a very insignificant injury, but it impacts greatly on your life. And I've I've learned that over time from from being surrounded by, you know, this world that we've kind of been plunged into, that I've met people and probably since your photographs as well, where people have contacted me and said how they couldn't leave the house because of whatever scar they have or whatever injury, whatever it was, whether they had hair, no hair, mm. you know, they couldn't leave the house. And I think but that's nothing, you know, on the grand scheme of things. But actually, you know, size of injury is 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 irrelevant in a way. You know, it it's doesn't... It's kind of how it, you deal with it, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. And And I used to take, like, when people would ask me, what percentage, and you get a lot of burns people will say to you, what percentage you got? And I used to say a large, because to me, it's not really, it's not really important. It's like you say, it's how you handle it and how you deal with it. And sometimes, and this again is something I've learned, um, sometimes when you've got something that's hidden, it's more problematic than actually Elizabeth can't hide hers. I think and that's in some a ways, very good point. Yeah, in some ways, I think, you know, I wish people who have maybe a hidden injury could see actually what it's like to live like she lives mm. because she can't hide it. She, you know, people judge her before they've even spoken to her. So when she, maybe when she's older and she has relationships or friendships or whatever, mm. people have already made that decision or, or they've questioned what's happened to her. She doesn't even get that period of time to go, you know, maybe she met somebody and, you know, well, actually I've got this scar on my back. Mm. Um, you know, when she felt comfortable, Elizabeth out there, you can't hide it, you can't get away from it. Um, and in some ways, as awful as it is, and I wish she could at times hide it for her, I can see how problematic it can be for people who've got something hidden and feel like they can't tell people. Um, and Elizabeth's in a, in a position where obviously she, she can't do that. So, yeah, so I've learned a lot over time, whereas I would have been like, what's the big deal? And actually, the psychological impact of a scar is massive. Whether it's 1% or 10%, it doesn't matter. It's how the person feels. That's incredible what you've just said. I mean, I'm quite speechless, which is in itself an amazing thing because I, yeah. I do tend to waffle on. Um, I mean, how, I mean, so 
I mean, I'm just trying to compute all of this. So Elizabeth, by this point, is in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the what were the specialists sort of saying? What was the initial? You know, was her life at risk still? Was it? Were they sort of guaranteed she'd be okay because they were at a good hospital? What was what was the chance of survival at that point, Sinead? Was it? I don't remember them giving us a percentage or, and again, that's to me, it's it's again insignificant because yeah. um, they had said to us, her chances are, are poor. Right. But, and I remember saying to them that night when we arrived in Birmingham, because we took a very, they'd sent down an ambulance to pick her up and we, they drove very, very slowly back to Birmingham because she was so ill at that point. So there was no blue lights on, there was no mm. anything. You know, you see these ambulance rushing by. Yeah. That wasn't the case for Elizabeth. She was literally, she was too ill to, to have a helicopter journey. That's, you know, how bad. Wow. So they drove literally at a snail's pace from London back to Birmingham. So it was quite late at night when we got here. Oh, and that must have been in itself quite challenging. Well, I think at that point we were just glad that, that we were kind of on the road to somewhere that maybe yeah. could help her or give her that chance and that's all we wanted. Um so it was a long journey back. When we got when we got here, we were taken into a room. She was taken one way. Actually I remember getting out of the ambulance. I just thought of this now. And I remember that the one of the, the anaesthetists that had come down from Birmingham, there was two of them to collect mm. her. They said, We're gonna put a blanket over her cot, wheeling her through the hospital because people are gonna stare. And I remember just like, I had the kind of realisation at that point, like, you know, oh, people are going to stare like this is like, you know, like, mm. so they put a blanket over her that, you know, the kind of incubator that she was yeah. in. Um, you know, and it's really sad because, you know. Because she's that, your little girl. Yeah. And you just think, why would people stare? Or why would people be horrible? You know, she's a tiny little baby. But anyway. People just are, but, but people are very. It's like when, when there's an accident on the motorway. Mm. There's always there's always a tailback because people are having a gorp. But they, they are, yeah, having, having a gorp. I couldn't have put it more beautiful myself. <laughs> Sinead. Um, so I'm like back at school. Gorp. I've heard that in years. Um, <laughs> but it's true, you know. Human, you know, society, um, educated or not, in in medicine or what have you people are very inquisitive um are, and it's yeah. it, it is a it's a sad state of affairs really so um with with those first few months i mean you're sort of saying it was pretty much touch and go yeah yeah um so we were, were you you and liam sort of full-time where where were you staying i mean were you in the hospital yeah, we were really lucky that we were given a um, a room in the Ronald McDonald House, which is right beside the Birmingham Children's Hospital. So we were incredibly okay. lucky because we didn't have um, we didn't know where to live in Birmingham. We didn't know anybody, yeah. no family. So we were we were incredibly lucky and you know ever so grateful for that because you know thankfully thankfully there was a bed available at that time for us to stay. So for. Our other children went back to live in Ireland with my sister and my parents. Um, and Where, whereabouts in Ireland are you originally from? Me and Liam are both from Dublin. Dublin. So, so it was really hard for other three children because they had, um, well, they were babies. You know, mm. Daniel was only five, Amelia was three, and William was not even two. So yeah. they were they were babies. They'd never been away from us before. They were living 
they'd gone from living, you know, in a, a Middle Eastern country to living in Ireland with yeah. grandparents, you know, older grandparents who I'm sure no more wanted a rake of kids in their house. Yeah. Um, you know, incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, you know, they, everyone's life was turned upside down. So me and Liam stayed in Birmingham for, I th- it was about it was about five months before we were all in one room together again. Um, and where was, was, where was where that? Was that in, that was, in, that was in, in, in Birmingham, was it? That was in, it was in Birmingham. So a couple of times, Daniel, who was the older one, he was five and Amelia was four, had come over to visit kind of individually. Mm. William was too small, but when, when, We'd found out that Elizabeth was, you know, likely very good chances now of survival. And we decided to make Birmingham our home. And at that point, the children moved to Birmingham on the Sunday. And that was the first time we were all together. And they started school on the Monday morning. So, again, incredibly hard from them. They'd gone from Qatar to Ireland to, you know, the UK to start in school the following day, like incredibly hard for, but for very, very small. They're children. very resilient, though. They're amazing. I remember yeah. Daniel on his first day saying to me, because I promised him I'll walk you to the door the first day, the second day I'll walk you to the gate, the third day, you know, and I had this whole routine of, because you get that whole parent guilt, we've been away from them. Two yeah. parents have been with Elizabeth and none have been with you three. You know, there were babies, as I say. And I'd made this promise to him, and I remember on the first day, the headmistress said to me, no, 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 you can't come past the gate. And I said, but I promised him I'd walk him, you know, if he'd gone from going to like an international school in Qatar mm. to now going to a Catholic school where, you know, the poor child had never blessed himself. So it was like, <laughs> it was, I know if my mother-in-law hears this now, she'd, she'd be given out about oh, me. I'll edit that but, bit out, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, edit that bit. But it was, um, <laughs> you know, incredibly hard for like a young, a young boy. And I was really mm. upset at the school gates. And he said to me, like at five years of age, mummy, I'll be fine, don't cry. And oh, it was just... That, I mean, you know, anything's like, going to send you over the edge, that's it, yeah, isn't it? Well, I'm going to cry now, am not I? Um, It'll be good yeah, for like the ratings. Say, Come on, show some of my... I'm not a nice crier. You don't want me to cry. Um, You're probably not recording this anyway, I mean... <laughs> I just want to do it all again tomorrow, Rock. I just love chatting to you. Groundhog Day. That's the new... <laughs> this is the new Shodcast. <laughs> We, we're digressing but, slowly. So. I know. But yeah, uh, resilient. Also, <laughs> children are so resilient. Yeah. Like Elizabeth's resilient. My other three children are massively resilient. Um, yeah. I don't know when that changes. I don't know if teenagers yeah, resilience kind so. of fades away a bit. I mean, we, we moved from, from Australia uh, back, to, back to the UK and Elkie was, um, she's the youngest in the year, so uh, she's the 30th of August. And we arrived on the 13th of August and she started school two and a half weeks later. Um, so, and again, I think as parents you do, um, I mean, we, we've been quite relaxed in most part with certain things, but I think you do, you do worry because you, I think you're fragmented. You're obviously going through such a um, intense, time you know when when someone's life's on the line i mean and the fact that you know she's a six month old baby just adds all this weight to all the stress so yeah massively um, but yeah it's um so has he uh, forgiven you for not walking him to the classroom every so often he still mentions it (laughs) but he's a teenager now isn't he so you know he's got a few in that when you take the phone off him 
Yeah, he's yeah. got to fill me with that, you know, that sort of bit the of fact, guilt again. The fact that you're welling up, he obviously knows it, it hits well below the belt as well. Yeah, kids are cruel, aren't that, they? Yeah. They're cruel. Yeah, we'll do that in our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to fast forward a bit, because um, I think that, you know, we have discussed this before in parts, but, I mean, it's just such a... Just to take it all in, it is quite a lot to take on board. And you you and Liam are just these, um, like, superhuman beings. I know you sort of joke about it, but you do just roll your sleeves up and go through life and you just get on with it. I mean, mean, you've got two choices, don't you? It's like like anything. You've got choices. You can either sit down and, and, you know, for whatever life throws at you. Mm. You can either sit down and, and, you know, wallow and die or you can get up and get on with us. And, you know, how can I sit down and wallow when I've got, you know, four amazing kids, you know, and Elizabeth dragging us all along with her because, you know, she doesn't feel sorry for herself. And and I've learned over, I've always felt that I have no reason to be sad because it's not my sorrow. You know, what happened to Elizabeth hasn't happened to me. But I've actually, over the last few months, you know, I've allowed myself to be, you know, sad for her um, and sad for, you know, us as a family because, you know, it's important and and you're allowed to be sad, but Mm. it's what you do with that. You get up and you pick yourself up or you sit down and continue to be sad. But I do have moments where I think, you know, like, what's it all about? You know, why? Why? No, why not me? Why not, you know, anyone else? Yeah. Why anyone at all? Do you know it's um. It, I mean, it is uh, it is that eternal question, isn't it? When when life throws something at you, um, you know, I mean, it, it happens all the time, and that's the tragic thing, isn't it? But I mean, I think with you know going on about sort of sitting there and wallowing in self pity, which is is definitely not your makeup at all or Miss Cheeky Pants makeup. Definitely not. Maybe you could share the some of the information of what she's achieved for for the hospital. I mean she and all the awards that she's now I mean you're just basically living in her shadow in the limelight now, aren't you? I always half rock. I know my place. Just got the free meal ticket for all these like posh do event award events and you're so that's it. So, I just carry your bags and um, you know, <laughs> fix fix straighten up her wig every so often. Um, so the, the 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 funding that you've raised, maybe you could um, share some of that, please. Yeah, sure. So um, in about January last year, she just had some surgery, and her surgeon kind of flippantly said, "Why don't you guys do some fundraising?" And we've always done, you know, bits and pieces here and there, you know, for anyone who supported us along the way. Um, you know, we've got certain charities that are very dear to our heart, like the the Ronald McDonald House, the Make-A-Wish, the Chaplaincy, who've, you know, massively supported us over the years. We've always got kind of people that we will help and donate and give something back to. But he said, you know, I, I don't just mean like a little bit of fundraising, I mean a lot. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm trying to deal with a kid who's just had surgery like yesterday. <laughs> Give me a break. Mm. And a couple of months later, Elizabeth said to me, you know, what um, What are we going to do about this fundraising? And I said, oh, it was to buy a laser machine. Sorry, I don't know if I've said that. It was to buy a laser machine, which is um, 
they have uh, this service. It's a special laser machine, a CO2 fractional laser machine. I think is the right terminology for it. And, and what, they have what this does it do, this laser machine? Or are you just you're trying to... to be funny now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it fires little lasers. This is like the, for okay. dummies. This is the guide for dummies. So I'm doing yeah. this for you. <laughs> this, it, it, it fires little lasers at scars right. and breaks up scar tissue. So it's... scars get a flatter, less red appearance. Right. And... Um, in Elizabeth's case, she's got a lot of burns over her joints. Right. So it frees up scars to maybe give her more movement. More, so it does create yeah. more wounds, but yeah. it just creates a bit more... Free, and, freedom within the yeah, yeah, and it lessens the likelihood of the amount of surgeries that she has. So she's quite regular surgeries because grafted skin doesn't grow with her. Oh, so right. because she, so because she was that. so tiny being burnt, mm. she's obviously got to grow to be an adult. So... If I was burnt now, obviously mm. I'm, you know, I'd like to think I was done with my growing. Um, I wouldn't need as much surgery. But when you're so tiny and you've got to yeah. grow into an adult body that's so badly burnt wow. and scarred, you've got to keep having continual surgeries to to keep up with the growth. So every time she's got a growth, um, you spurt. Yeah. We know because her limbs will contract. She'll end up with like her hands in funny positions or her arms across her chest. So we'll always know when she's had a growth because yeah. she can't do the things she wants to do. A week ago and it can literally happen that quickly um yeah. what was the question again oh yeah what's the laser what? machine? Sorry. <laughs> oh you see i waffled again I'm, I waffled. I'm, no, you haven't waffled this is this is really good content sinead i mean i'm just wish we'd done it on friday evening because i could have just gone out for a nice walk with the dog straight afterwards i'm so relaxed listening to your <laughs> velvety <laughs> <laughs> so, the, um, so the laser so anyway, machine. You, so, so it's something. About, and, and what? Yeah, what how much are these machines out of interest? So then, I, I'd obviously at that point when Elizabeth said, "What are we going to do?" I said, "Okay, well, we'll see how much they cost." And it was approximately between one hundred and thirty-five thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. So I'm thinking, ah. You know, how how good is this? You know, how mm. good are we going to do with this? We'd raised a few thousand here or there, but nothing, yes. nothing on the scale of this. Um, so on the 30th of June, <laughs> doing the rhyme in my head, 13, the last day of June, mm. we were sitting in our kitchen and I said, should we just start tomorrow? Because that's me. Mm. I can't do, and you'll know this. It's like you know, the podcast. Can, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. I, mean, I can't do uh, yeah. anything. No, you know, Liam is a planner. No, I'm, but that's why we're married to who we're both married to, because we need a planner. Otherwise, this yeah, podcast would never have happened. No, but we've <laughs> had so much fun, though, pretending that we're recording. <laughs> I, I just um, hope you are. <laughs> God, I'm getting worried now. Um, I, yeah, I'm not a planner, so I, I'm the sort that would decide to paint a wall and then I'm half painting one wall and moving to another wall. Yeah. It's, my brain's all over the place, like a hamster wheel. Um, Liam calls me monkey brain. Um, <laughs> so I was like, should we just start tomorrow? Why don't, you know, we do something that kind of lasts a bit longer than you know, kind of a one trick wonder. So, yeah. so Elizabeth decided she'd run a marathon, but Elizabeth style, she wanted to run it in one day. So I had to rein her in and we decided she'd do a mile a day. She's going to do 26 miles. Why? Think big. Think big. No, you have to. 
know. We did have to rein her in. So she, she agreed anyway, reluctantly, to a mile a day. And it just it just literally blew up. It was unbelievable. Mm. Um, she just seemed to capture people's heart. It started off just like that, just a little bit. You know, we thought it would take 10 years to, to reach that amount of money. But she, in the end, she'd raised like 215,000. Incredible. Which we had to close down the, the you know, the fundraising page eventually. Why? It Send was, it my way for the foundation, Christ. <laughs> I need some don't, stationery for the office. Don't dare ask us to fundraise. <laughs> if anyone, somebody asked me the other week, and I, I nearly cried. I was like, as long as I don't have to run. Um, so, in the space, hang on a minute. She's just walked Miss in. Miss Cheeky Pants has just popped in. You're saying hello. Say, say hello, Miss Cheeky Pants. You have Pants. to say hello. No oh. one can see a wave. Hello, Miss Cheeky Pants. Are you, are you got- having a snack? She's got hungry, yeah. She's, right. I'm starving. She's starving to death. Well, look, I've, I've, starving. I've only got... I've a, well, do you know what, Miss Cheeky Pants? I will only have mum for a little bit longer and then I promise... And then she can make dinner. Yeah, and then that, I'm going to make dinner. I, then I'm going to go back to parenting. Yeah, there we go. We're going to leave... Um, we'll leave that bit in because obviously that's the, the guest of honour. Yeah. Coming in for a biscuit. Yeah, she's, she gets hungry. Um... <laughs> What were we saying? 215, oh, yeah, so it, it, 215. So you had yeah, to close. Why did you have to close the fun thing down? Well, it just kind of became like a little bit, I suppose you get guilt. What, you for know, raising money for something good? I know, but you got we got to that point where it was like... You didn't I want to make yourselves look too good. <laughs> well, yeah, I was afraid to buy a pair of shoes in this whole time, just in case somebody had made a comment. Do you know, you know, you're a bit like, yeah. oh. You, you, um, you've turned up at work in a Lamborghini. Yeah, as a nurse, it's, you know, somebody's going to ask questions. Um, but it's like, um, you're very exposed. Uh, I'd never really... Um, I'd never really. What do, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? What, because everyone was, was sort of watching this yeah, amaz- was watching, amaz- yeah. amazing thing happen. Yeah, yeah, and and watching, you know, in in a good way, in a positive way, because yeah. it was all amazing and it was all. But I suppose I'm like thinking, and and Liam was the same. I know he was because we were like, oh god, we you know, like we really need a new car. Like our car is like the engine's dragging along the floor, but we can't yeah. get one. No, we'd rather walk because if any, you, you get yeah. this whole pa- um, paranoia. Thing. Yeah, and I think it happened with that. Um, the gentleman who did all the walking, uh, Captain Tom. Yeah, you know the same sort of thing. And then you, you over, mm. you know, you overthink like everything. And I'm an, I am an overthinker at times. Um, you are so when you, incre- you are when you're trying to record the audio for a podcast. I know. Can we stop? Can we stop that? You said one nice thing to me, and now I, I'm just getting all these I've said uh, there'll be more. There's more nice things, but if I say them now, you'll start crying, and we'll have to pause. <laughs> um. Um, so, so anyway, two hundred and fifteen. Yeah, it was phenomenal. She just, um, she just seemed to capture people's. Just, she's just so enthusiastic, and she's a you know, magnet. She's an absolute magnet. I mean, you cannot she, not love that that person. Well, that's it. She's so she's. I can't even get annoyed with her because she's so incredibly funny and mm. you know witty. Yeah, it's really hard. It's kind of annoying in a way because you know you want an opportunity to go to your kids, you know, you know, and she's treated the same as everyone else in our house. But she'll just look at me with those eyes. Yeah. I'm like, go those away, eyelash, you know? Yeah, but the, yeah, she has got your eyes and eyelashes, though. Do you think? Totally. Do you? When you were together uh, before we started, re- well, I started recording. You, you've got yours on pause, probably. But I, I mean, I, I said to 
Elizabeth, you've got you've got your mum's eyes and eyelashes. You've got really long eyelashes. Do I? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Was that a compliment? <laughs> No. I'll, I'll, don't worry, I'll I'll come back and you're cutting back ruin, the ruin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't show my soft side. No. <laughs> Gonna be um, like Jeremy Paxman. <laughs> it's getting gradually worse as the podcast <laughs> goes on. Starts off really positive. Um, no, no, she's totally got your eyes and eyelashes. Oh, uh, it's really hard because she looked, you know, before obviously she looked so different. And I do wonder what she would have looked like if, you know... Well, she's got... Trust me, I'm not just saying this. She's got your eyes... What you've got to think is that I observe for a job. Yeah. I look at people, the structure, the way they sit. You know, when I'm taking somebody's portrait, if anyone's interested in this bit, you know, I'm observing. You know, everybody has a good angle. Everybody. And it's just tweaking things and adjusting things. And when Cheeky Pants was, was on FaceTime before we, you know, joking apart, before we started recording, she's got these incredibly long eyelashes, which she gets from you. She's got your eyes and your eyelashes. Oh, does she? Oh, that, that makes me feel nice. Because she's got incredible eyes. She's she got has. And that, she's that, eyes that, that, that tell a story as well, which I love about Well, her. I think, I mean, to go back to her... A photo series that we did um i mean it really and i and i've i've said this openly it is by far my my favorite and i shouldn't have a favorite but it was just for me personally it was just such an incredible day um just just how i remember going out on the kids trampoline and we were sat out there and you and i were just sort of chatting away and um and she was just being a kid, you know, she'd come down um, and I understand from, a, you know, parents want the best for their kids. They want them to feel safe. Um, all all I do from my side, it's all about positive. It's all about a nice experience. And all I want is for you collectively to like your images. I mean, that that is it in a nutshell, that the day isn't stressful um, and that you enjoy it. But, but. And that's what I love about the photos, I think, is, and the experience. I love that your photos portray how we see Elizabeth. And, you know, you can see what you want to see. You can see that the, the hardship, you can see the sadness, or you can see the joy. You can see, you know, whatever, whatever you want to see. And a photograph is only a snapshot in time. But I feel like the photographs that you took it just highlights exactly how we feel about Elizabeth and how the beauty of her that sometimes people don't see. They just see the poor girl or, oh, oh, we're, that's not the side of, of Elizabeth that, um, you know, we're interested in because that's not what she's about. She's about the, the, the joy that you captured in her eyes. She's about the, you know, the cheekiness. Well, I mean, I don't. I mean, I. I mean, I call her Miss Cheeky Pants. I mean, and it has. It's really sort of taken off on your page. Other people are now starting to. I've noticed from yeah, my yeah, yeah. comment, other people have have started calling her Miss Cheeky Pants. I know. She asked me the other week, would I change my Instagram name to <laughs> Miss Cheeky Pants? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, whoa, uh, hey, I, I need some, I need some um, licensing fees for that. If you're going to be changing <laughs> your, your stage name, 
<laughs> she actually genuinely asked me. Oh, and I was that's, like, that is amazing. I love that. Uh, it probably should be, in fairness. It's all about her, isn't it, really? So, well, it is. It is about her. And and long may, long may she be Miss Cheeky Punch. She'll always be that for me. So, to go back to um, earlier times, how many procedures um, has Elizabeth had so far? So, she's had 80 plus um, operations where she's been put asleep for. So initially, she was um, operated on every second day. That went on for a every of second day. Yeah, every second day. So and what, what, what were they doing? So initially, they would remove the the burned skin, which is the ones that I say can cause you know serious mm. infection, and she was covered with um, cadaver skin. With what? To, sorry, like dead dead body skin. All oh, right. Um, cadaver, have I said that word right? I've cadaver, got, cadaver, cadaver, cadaver. I d- I've got no idea. Do you know? Well, I mean... dead bodies, anyway. <laughs> really? So you know, yeah, people who donate the skin post post mortem, post death. So what? Um, what? They, so you have? So they would? What, so is it blood type or how? Is it just to to get, grow cells or? What? No, it's just literally as a dressing. So it's a bit of wow. protection. So because she had no skin really at all. You've got to cover somebody in something. So it would die. It dies off. And, and then they would take her back to theatre and do the same again, cover her over. Wow. Um, That's fascinating. I know. It's it's insane. And apparently all the, the skin at the time, I don't know how, how it works now, but it all come from Spain because they don't have um, CJD, like mad cow disease, where we have it in this country. So you can't use skin, apparently, from this country. So it, because it's brought of in from Spain. Dis- is mad cow disease still a thing here? Apparently so, yeah. Once you've got a case, at, uh, any cases at all. I, I mean, I could. some scientists might be listening to this and, and I could stand totally correct. If anybody's but, listening to me, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> the scientists. <laughs> <laughs> so, so We've had a good chat by two we, anyway. Tw- we've had an amazing chat. Yeah, and neither of us have sworn, which is not in yet. itself there's not always, yet. So there's it's, always it's, time. We've still got time long enough. Yeah. So, so she had dead skin on yeah. as, as a dressing. As a dressing. So then, wow. when they started to to graft like where she was burnt, they removed. They put in like a skin substitute, and then on top of that skin substitute, they put her own skin. So they would take that from her back because she wasn't burnt there mm. and place it on top. But then you have to wait for the skin to grow back on her back to start the whole process all over oh, again. Christ. So it, it was like a grueling. Yeah. And your face needs massive amount of skin because of the contouring in between, obviously, all the, the grooves and lines. So, so to do your every face. Every couple of days that this was... Yeah, every couple of days she went. Um, that went on for a couple of months. So, so how... It was, um, so... I mean, so you and Liam are, are at Ronald McDonald House, which is mm-hmm. next to the hospital. Yeah. Um, I mean, who was... How were you two operating, as in just being a couple? Because you obviously, there's you've got times where your parents... You're at Elizabeth's side, but there'll be times where, you know, she, whether she's in intensive care, I don't know what the process yeah, is. Yeah. But when, um, I, I, and I very much doubt you had any downtime, 
But I mean, when you did have five minutes to yourselves as a couple, how how was that? Because I mean, are you, you know, I mean, you're trying to be positive, mm-hmm. but you both must have been mentally and physically shattered by this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I suppose we're quite good at gauging each other. And I think we've probably had a, you know, a a speed course in it Mm. over those months in the hospital of knowing when we needed each other and when we needed time apart. Yeah. Um, We did do a lot of tag teaming where we'd take turns, um, you know, I'd do the day, he'd do the night, Mm. sitting with her 24 hours a day. We had fantastic, you know, the, the surgeons that she had back then are the same ones that she's got now. Wow. The nurse that she had, the day that they met us, the day we arrived in, are the exact same, the exact same staff. So, you know, we have a very, very good relationship. That must be incredible, though. That, that, that It's amazing. Because yeah. you're going back to the, the same, and I say this at every episode of this nature, you know, I do see surgeons as artists, you know, that, I mean... They totally are. My, my brain just, I can't comprehend how they can look at something and, and, yeah. and fix it and make it, it Plastic right. surgeons mm. are just, like, they're, they're just they're phenomenal. They're artists, they're artists. They really are. And when I see her surgeon, you know, he's he's an Egyptian gentleman and, I mean, we've a very... She calls him Uncle, mm. Uncle Moimi, you know, and doesn't, doesn't have any fear or any, you know, she mm. knows he comes and she'll say to him, why did you chop up my arm? Like, it's kind of like, why did you chop my arm? Because look at it now. It was better before, and they have this sort of relationship. So it's, it's look very, at it. It was better before. It was better before, and they'll have these conversations about you know, like she t- spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and told him like what she would like him to operate on next. Um, but how amazing! How amazing is that? Because I can amazing. hear her saying that. You can actually, yeah, you can hear, you mm. can hear her saying it because she's, yeah. you know, and she says it so. You know, like uh, I want you, yeah. I want you to cut this up, and I want you yeah. to do this, and I want you to separate these fingers, and I want yeah. to be able to catch yeah. a netball and yeah. all the things she wants. But he, um, he, I'll see him sometimes. You know, peer out over the top of his glasses, and he's looking at her up and down, and I'm like, what? Like what? And he's like, I'm visualizing five years time, and he has that like, yeah, he, he he's looking at something that I don't see. Yeah. He obviously can see and knows what's important. What you know, how her face is going to grow, how her whatever is going to grow. Mm. He's um, he is a, he's an artist, and he he doesn't, he won't tell me until afterwards, and he'll say that's what I was, you know, that, that's what I know what I'm doing, and I'm like, I know, but you need to tell me because I'm not an artist. I don't know what you're doing, sir. I don't know what your plan is, or you know. And I obviously gallop ahead of myself sometimes looking for for things, but he knows, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's He's amazing and we're very, very lucky to have the consistency of the same staff because they're like, you know, we used to joke there were only friends in the UK, these nurses and doctors, which, you know, it sounds really pathetic, but we didn't know anybody here. Yeah, like, but you we didn't were know thrown into a, a scenario that nobody would want to be no, thrown and into and it was it was a case of that, that was your life at that yeah, point. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, and they still are. I still consider them, you know, our friends, which is, you know, I suppose a testament to them and, you know, the relationships that we've all built up. But like the nurse, Claire, who's, you know, like, I, I don't think I can live without her. Um, she would like bring us food and, you know, stuff that mm. way above the call of duty. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just leave me notes on a Friday, 
you know, to, so to read over the weekend because weekends are obviously very lonely when you're in a hospital by yourself. Um, and just those little things, you know, we're so incredibly lucky to have just the consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Really thoughtful and, you know, genuinely care about Elizabeth, they care about our whole family. So we're incredibly lucky to have those people around us. No. So, um, go. I mean, when you were out in the Middle East, um, mm-hmm. I, I presume you're obviously out there for work. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you catapulted over to to Birmingham. I mean, what, what, how was it left over there? Did was that? Did the apartment burn to the ground? Did you go back and sort of tie loose end up I mean how no. it sounds like you were sort of just left in a hurry we literally we left literally in a hurry um our other three children stayed for I think it was about two weeks afterwards because we had difficulty getting them out because of the legalities around um uh, my sister was flying them back to, to Ireland right. but because of separate surnames and yeah. had to get legal work to say that we'd given permission yeah. blah de blah de blah but we left the country. We've never gone back. Mm. Um, the kids desperately want to go back to see. Oh, you know, they grew up. You know, yeah. They spent they spent time over there. They want to know where they're from. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about that? Personally, <sighs> just just speaking from you, you yourself, because I mean, going back to the you know, crudely call it the scene of the crime. I mean that that would be quite a. Well, an em- well, emotional roller coaster. Yeah, Liam went back a few years ago because we've got like an ongoing court case with them over there. Um, like eight years later, we're still no resolution to mm. to you know to what happened. Um, well, we know what happened, but Liam went over to uh, meet up with a fire expert, and the fire expert wanted to see the property, and the whole compound that we lived in has been flattened. It's gone. What? The ho- yeah, the whole thing was knocked to the ground. So it was like, I think it, when Liam went over, it was really hard for him because mm. there was, it's like it was wiped off. The problem's gone now. You know, this whole complex so is gone. It, it, was it, it was the whole complex has been knocked. The down. whole complex was gone. Yeah, there was there was fifteen villas where we lived, and the whole thing has been flattened. So I think that was really hard. You know, as much as it would to go back to the actual scene, to go back and it just to be gone was I think it was really hard like Liam like filmed it and sent it to me and he was like it's gone we didn't know at that point wow. um, and then I, I had friends and was like why didn't you tell me and they were like well we didn't really know how to because you know that, that, it's like very, do you think it was put to the ground because of the fire or, or? I don't know I have I've like mixed I've mixed thoughts on it yeah in my head it was you know you you, you you get rid of it, the problem's gone for them. Mm. But, you know, and I'd never refer to Elizabeth as a problem because she certainly is, you know, no. is not that. No. But the, the cause of the fire was somebody's fault. And, what, and, and what, it was a faulty air conditioning unit. Right. Um, and the fire experts have, have agreed, faulty air conditioning unit, the whole, um, the, it was described in the fire report as a ticking time bomb, the house. So it was ready to go up at any time, you know. Mm. And thankfully, in a way, the fire happened when there was less people in the house than there could have been, or we could have all been in bed. Yeah. So things could have been very different. Yeah. You know, if it happened at a different time. But yeah, for me, I don't know. I feel like the whole complex is gone. All the paperwork associated with the 
the maintenance of the buildings is all gone. So it's it's very easy to, you know, no evidence, no. Yeah. But plain slate. Yeah, but you know, they take they've they've taken lots away from us, but they can't ever take Elizabeth and that's you know, I I feel like no amount of anything can, you know, can change what we have. Well, I mean that is true. I mean she is quite an incredible um human being. I mean she's she's old beyond her years, that is that is definitely for sure. She so, is she's an old granny. So with um so you've moved to Birmingham, you've you've you're in Ronald McDonald's house, then you know, you're going through procedures every other day. Um, at what point did you and Liam, I mean, I know I'm asking you on his behalf, but I mean, at what point did you sort of feel that you were making a bit of ground up and you were, you know, there was light at the end of the tunnel and, I mean, obviously what is normal, but you were sort of feeling that things were flattening out a bit, as it were. Yeah, well... They'd woke Elizabeth up from a coma because for those first few months, she was in a coma the whole time, in mm. medically induced coma. Yeah. Um, and because she was undergoing so much procedures, it's easier to just keep somebody, yeah. you know, under. And also it lets the body heal. Yeah. So she was in a coma for those period of time. So how they, long was she in a coma for? three months. Wow. Which is a long time. Um, yeah. A long time to be in a, you know, an intubated yeah. for a long Especially time. Especially at that age as well. Yeah. You're massive, and she, you know, to miss, you know, a very important part of her development, mm. you know, between six and six months and a year is is huge. Like for a, yeah. a child to to miss out, you know, I think they learn more in that period of time than you do like in your whole life or something. There's some yeah. some statistic. Um, but what did you ask me? When did you feel things were oh, starting yes. to Sorry. level out Sorry. a little bit? So they woke Elizabeth up from this coma, mm. and. And it was kind of like, will she breathe by herself? Will she not? And she did. It was amazing. So we were like, yay, this is, you know, this is it. She's, you know, we're on the road. So we left the hospital the following day and Elizabeth was going for a surgery again. Um, and and those points when she went for surgery, it's when I always felt most comfortable because she was being watched and, you know, there was lots of people around her. And I always felt quite, oh, she's in surgery now. Like We can go get a drink or we can, you know, you're not constantly watching a machine beeping or whatever. Um, so this day they, they were taken back to theatre. So they put her asleep. They come back and they said, she's fine. She's, you know, in, in theatre. So me and Liam decided the first time we'd ever left the hospital, we decided we'd go looking for somewhere to live. So we came out to the area of Birmingham, which we, we've, we, we've lived in ever since. And we went looking at a house to rent. And while we were in the house, I got a phone call to say, you need to come straight back to the hospital. Why? And I was like, why? And nobody would tell me. And oh. they said, you need to come straight back. Oh, so we got, God. we couldn't get a taxi, couldn't get anything. We got in a bus. Um, the most horrific journey I've ever had in my entire life because I didn't know what I was going back to. Yeah. Um, oh, and we'd left a child that we thought was, yeah. we're on the road. Yeah. But we can start looking for somewhere to live and we can start, you know, considering a future together. Um, we got back to the hospital and they were all standing at the door of the Birmingham Children's Hospital before you even get inside the entrance um, to tell me she'd had a cardiac arrest. Oh, my God. And had, had been without um, any respiratory output or cardiac output for 11 minutes. What? And I was like, what? They don't know if she had an allergic reaction to the anaesthetic drug that they'd given her. 
Um, oh it was absolutely God. horrendous. Oh, so she ended up back in intensive care again. Oh, so oh, it was like at those points, and they didn't know she was going to have brain damage because at that oh. point she'd been without oxygen for quite a, a long period of time. Um, oh, and I just, I, I literally, I remember we were all standing around her, you know, the crib that she was in, like her surgeon, the mm. anaesthetist who'd been there putting her to sleep. So everyone was crying. Oh, um, I couldn't even remember where the toilet was. I literally, it was like my whole life had just gone again. Yeah. I couldn't remember anything. I remember somebody saying, somebody bring me to talk. I couldn't remember anything, even though we'd, we'd stayed there for like mm. three, four months. Um, and when I came back, she opened up her eyes and I just knew wow. she's going to be fine. So we kind of had those moments of, you know, everything's going to be okay. And then, bam, you're back in intensive care again. And that went on for, for quite a while, God. I would say. Um, but obviously, when the kids moved over here, which was the very end of August, you know, at that point, I think we felt like... You're something. making some progress. We're making some progress. We kind of had less setbacks. Wow. There was more there was more leaps forward than leaps back. But up to that point, it was just... I'll never forget that day. And since that day, I have never once left the hospital during an operation. And you're still both living in Ronald McDonald House. <laughs> oh, no, just me. I've moved out. I've had enough of that. Um, um, that family. But yeah, it's horrific. I've never oh. left. And I'm not even a superstitious person. But I feel like, why did I leave the hospital that day? I've never done it. Why? Mm. You know, you question again. You question everything. But it's... um. Yeah, I'll never go. I, I won't even go up the road to get a coffee or, or nothing. I'll just, I'll literally stay in the hospital for the oh, whole time she's in theatre. Yeah, but whatever keeps you, keeps you level. Yeah, keeps it's, you it's foolish, I know, because no, it's like... But um, if, it, if it brings you, I mean, I'm very, very superstitious. Are you? See, I'm yeah, not really. I'm really, I always press record when I do a podcast. Um. Oh, <laughs> we'll do it again. <laughs> right, let, let's... Um, Let's fast forward a bit there, because that, that's the first time I've heard that. Um, wow, that's, that's in, in, intense. So, you know, we've obviously discussed Elizabeth's amazing character and just the way, way she is. How was it for her when she started school? And how was it for, for you as a mum? You know, because you, you, I, I think you are, you, we're all naturally protective over our kids. But when you've had a child that's nearly died, I mean, I know you do, you're very, you act very lapsadaisical as if like, oh, I don't care. But you obviously do. Yeah. How, how was, how was the first day of, of nursery or school? And, and, you know, what were your, what were you excited about? What were you worried about? Um how how was all of that really? Her first day, I, I remember her first day in nursery because her brother William had gone to the same nursery and I used to drop him in every, you know, whatever days he was going and I'd have Elizabeth with me and the staff used to say, oh, let, let's have a hold. Can we, you know, can we play with her? And I was so protective. Mm. You know, she clung to me like a little koala bear. I was like, no, no, she's, she needs me, mm. you know, because you... I needed her. She didn't need me. Yeah. And that's probably the way now. That's I what need she says to me when she texts <laughs> me. Yeah. When she sends me messages. <laughs> mum, mum won't be able to find these, don't worry. No. Um, <laughs> it's, um, they used to, yeah, they used to say, why don't you just leave her here for an hour? And I, and, and it's that worry, mm. you know, that nobody can do 
and I'm still like that now. I'm not going to say I've changed because I still am. There's very few people I would I would let take her out for the day without me. Yeah, but you um, know, you know what's what. I just know how hurtful th- people can be, and mm. and I know what she's like. She won't, you know, she doesn't make a fuss, but she'll tell me or or she'll tell people that she's comfortable with if you know if somebody has said something you know unkind or or she's feeling hurt or you know. And obviously, the older she gets, the more those words you know affect her but yeah. um i remember yeah i, I eventually i kind of gave in i let them have her for like an hour and and it was okay it was really strange because it was actually it was okay mm. so all this all this worry and, and anxiety that i had it was okay and I, and I read a saying yesterday um and it just reminded me of those times and it was it was something like you know worrying is like walking around with an umbrella up waiting for terrain. Do you know what? I'm going to dive in there. My my late father was a man of quotes and one of his, I mean, he had quotes all around his, his office and one of his quotes was, worrying is like riding a rocking horse. It passes the time but gets you nowhere. Love it. That, that's, I'm going to take that one mm. because I, I love, I love mm. say, you know, anything that kind of brings me some sort of and i think as, as, as human nature is that you know 80 90 percent of what we actually worry about doesn't actually present itself it's irrelevant as well but i think you as a parent going i mean I, I i still can't even visualize you walking into that room on that fateful day so you know you can't be too hard on yourself you know, because you are naturally yeah. going to worry. I mean, even yeah. though ch- cheeky pants is bulletproof, um, and as you say, I think it's as, hard though yeah. because she's very good at, at um, I suppose now, and I listen to to Bell's podcast as well. Mm. That, uh, putting on that shield, and I'm a master at it. I think you you know you nailed it when you said that I'm very flippant and blase, mm. and that's a shield at times because you know. It can be you exhausting. Can't break down. Yeah, and it's yeah, exhausting. Yeah, I can't break down and whinge and cry. And I'm ever so grateful for all I do have. But I do obviously have moments of, you know, sadness. And I think for Elizabeth, she's, she's, she, Belle talked about putting on like a shield to protect yourself. Mm. She's starting to do that now. And she's built in those kind of mechanisms to protect yourself because, you know, if she's to let every single word or look or snigger, whatever, affect her, you know, life is going to be pretty bloody hard mm. um so i'd see she's built in those mechanisms to to already um which is awful because you know why should any of us have to to shield ourselves from but yeah. like we can't go around whinging and crying all the time that doesn't work either yeah so. i mean i think though i mean it, it is a sad state of affairs that i mean when i spoke with with bell the lovely bell welsh on the on the first episode um you know, I, I had spent time with, with her and her sister, Mia, in in town. And, you know, Belle, was, Belle did say about, you know, how people stare or comment or this, that and the other. And it, it really annoys me. You know, I'm, I'm a very protective person and I, and I just sort of see any kind of unnecessary negativity. Um, anybody that that passes a comment it's forgotten within seconds and that person goes about their day but the words that they share 
with that person that they don't actually ask for um, could stay with them for 20 years. Of course, it can, and it's, it's like I always say, I can tell Elizabeth 95,000 times a day how amazing and brilliant and funny and clever and mm. whatever else she is. But it's just one person will say one negative thing and that's all she'll remember. Yeah. And that's the same for every child. It's nothing to do, you know, it's not unique to Elizabeth. It's the same for every yeah. child or adult. We remember those, you know, you do, yeah. It's it's human nature to do so. Of course, it is, and it's like social media. That's why I've always had reservations about it in the past. Is because you know you can see all the lovely comments, but then it's that one that stands out that you go, oh, well, maybe like. No, well, I mean anybody like that, that feels the the want to. I mean, my my grandmother used to say, if you have got nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. And it's true. And the fact someone actually takes time to type it and post it. Um, well, it's weakness, isn't it, that you can't... Well, it's, it's feeding... It. I think it's feeding that person's ego to try and make themselves feel better about their own yeah. uh, state of play. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm very... I mean, Cheeky Pants' posts are the most popular liked commented on post out of two and a half thousand or so that I've posted over the years. Um, and I think it's, I mean, it had an amazing response. And yeah. as I've said to you before, Sinead, joke, joking apart, you know, we did speak um, quite a bit before you came down and I, I could, I knew because you, you, you know, what you see is what you get. You very much like me, and I think that's why we get on so well. Is is mm-hmm. there, there's no hidden agenda, but you were you did express that you were concerned of yeah. of how Elizabeth was going to be presented and and what the what the the feedback was going to be. And I genuinely, I mean, I think I got back to you very very quickly anyway, because I could see all of the potential what we could do collaboratively um but the response has been phenomenal yeah i mean i mean if i average two or three thousand likes on a post which you know obviously i'm grateful for i think elizabeth got something like twenty one thousand likes and i know yeah, it's not about likes or comments it's about content and, no, and but if the people have stopped and looked and, and they've seen something yeah. you know beyond beyond the scars or beyond, you know, the no hair or whatever it is people see, they've seen something beyond that, which is something so beautiful. And if you just stopped and looked, you know, and and don't be compelled to ask questions or, you know, you know, people don't have a right to to know everything about everyone, you know. And and again, I, I, um, people have different opinions on it, but mine is that I can't go up to ask somebody, why is your nose so big? Or why is your bottom huge? So why does somebody feel like they can go to Elizabeth and go, so what's up with you? But like, th- that's, that is such a valid point, Sinead. Because like, I'm not going to ask... Yeah, it's like, why, why did you last go to the doctors for it? Like, it's mm. you, you just wouldn't do it. So why is it okay to... But I think that... Um, I mean, I remember when Sarah was pregnant with, with Elkie and with Olive, uh, respectively, and people, just complete strangers, would come up and just touch Sarah's belly. And, and, you, and, you, and like I mean, and I and I honestly think that you know, preg the pregnant woman is just you know it's incredible and it's a beautiful, amazing thing. 
Um, but there were a few times where we were kind of like, sorry, who are you? So, yeah, and I think that. people just, the, the sad state of affairs is some people just don't think. Yeah, and, they and, and it's like that, but those, those a, a girl came up to us quite recently in the park and I think she genuinely thought she was being really, really kind, but she said, um, my little girl wants to know what's wrong with your little girl. And I think she thought she was being really inclusive and my daughter's so, you know, she wants to know. And mm. I said, well, number one, there's nothing wrong with her because there's nothing wrong with her. Mm. Um, but like, number two, why do you think it's your right to know what's wrong with my child, as you put mm. it? Because there's nothing wrong with her. Mm. Like, I just, I, I, to me, it's really alien because I would never, I would never dream of asking somebody. And I can see the other side where people say, break a barrier and ask somebody. But I just think it's making somebody like Elizabeth feel even more vulnerable mm. and also more different yeah. when actually there's nothing wrong with her there's nothing you know she's she's a little girl she's an eight-year-old little girl that's all I see um we were away a few weeks ago um at a popular British holiday resort no names mentioned and we were in a swimming pool and these two children and, and we get it all the time I'd love for you to take Elizabeth out because you don't see you don't see what it's like until you have her just by yourself because I'll do a lot of concealing of what, you know, what people are doing or, you know, we'll whisper between ourselves. But I've had friends who've taken her out or my mother, you know, and, and people have said, look at that really ugly baby. And my mother's like, oh my God, you know, she'd never experienced it before. And until you're with Elizabeth on your own and you become really protective, you don't, you don't see these things. Mm. But this, these two kids had followed her and, um, and I was swimming alongside her and, the two kids were laughing and pointing and, you know, just, being just not being horrible, very kind. Yeah. yeah, just not being kind. And, and I'm, you know, kids are kids. Yeah. That's, the you kids know. Kids are cruel. I mean, they're the best. They're cruel. Adults can be really cruel as well yeah. because, because I'd, I'd swam alongside these two kids and they went back to a, a gentleman. And I just said, excuse me, Elizabeth had moved on. I said, your children are being really unkind. Mm. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, they're kind of laughing and pointing at my little girl. And he went, my kids have never seen anything like that before. Wow. And I was like, they've never seen a happy eight-year-old little girl before because that's how I react to it. Yeah. And he went, you're just being smart. And I'm like, that's all I see is a happy eight-year-old little girl. I don't see anything. Wow. I don't see. And he kind of, it, he kind of made, he kind of justified it that it was okay because his kids had never seen anything like that before. That it was okay to laugh and to point. So unless that's we tragic. teach our kids... Yeah, it's really sad. And I just think those it's children tragic. will never know the joy of somebody like Elizabeth in their life because they're not the sort of people I want her to be, you know, knocking about with. I want people who, you know, deserve to be in her company yeah. and, you know, deserve to see the joy and deserve to, you know, to have a but friend like but her. But it is just complete ignorance. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, and that is the one downside from the the pleasure and the privilege I have doing, you know, the photography that I now do, is I do hear these horrific stories from yeah. very ugly people. And I'm not talking yeah. physically, I'm talking mentally, that mentally. feel... It's just, it's just ignorance personified. Yeah, it's I just find it really sad because to have somebody like... Any like Belle, Elizabeth, mm. whoever mm. in in your life, it can enrich it and fulfil it so much that I just think you don't know what you're, you don't, don't know what, what you're missing. missing. 
Yeah, it's like, it's no like idea. discovering music later in life that you could have been into when you were younger. Yeah. It's a really bad analogy, but music's always... No, but it's true, yeah. though. And it's you think like, why wasn't years... I listening to this 20 years ago when I was but 20, like when that. I was seven? Yeah, <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years yeah. ago. So um, I think we're... How long have we got? I think we've been talking for about four hours. I think, I, think, I think we've done a double shift. I don't actually know. Don't press stop. Um, so to go back to, um, I always like to sort of end on a on a positive words mm -hmm. of wisdom because I know I know we joke and we insult each other, but I am in awe of of you as a as a parent. Um, so I have said something nice to you, Sinead. I am. I, am, I know, but I'm just waiting. You no, see, no, just, no, no. I, I've, I always end. It's it's like um, I'm trying to think of what that chat show was. Um, I'll have to think for next time. But there was there was a chat show, and the guy always used to finish on a on a thought. Do you mean next time when we have to record this again <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> We've got really good content <laughs> that you haven't even mentioned on the first one you didn't record. I know, you see, that's why it's good to do it all over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you are very positive and I like that and I love that about you. But what words of wisdom, um, being the mother of Elizabeth and those early you know, those really touch and go early moments. What what words of wisdom could you share with people? Because if there is someone that knows someone that's gone through something recently or is, you know, as someone who's maybe been burnt themselves, I mean, what, what words of advice, comfort could you give? I mean, you've given a lot today, but... I think it's down to the, the, the mindset and positivity and I think there is something positive in every situation no matter how bleak no matter how horrific sad I think sometimes you have to look a little bit harder but there's always something there oh. that's it yeah I think it's down to just mindset and trying to look on the bright side sometimes and like that searching for searching for the good things and I think the experiences that Elizabeth has had over the last few years, us as a whole family, not just Elizabeth. You know, the people we've met, the experiences we've had, the, you know, the life we have now, I think we wouldn't have any of that if this awful thing hadn't happened to Elizabeth. And I'm not saying I wouldn't swap any of us to go back, mm. you know, to, to with the blink of an eye, but we can't do that. No. So... You know, we can't change the past and we've got to live in, you know, well, the now, now and the yeah. future. Yeah. yeah. So uh, from what I would take from it is that there is something positive and, you know, we've had lots of lots of good experiences. Elizabeth, you know, we're very, very fortunate that we're in a country, you know, where she was able to receive treatment. So I think just searching for those positives in every day, no matter how awful the day might feel, there is something positive there. You just have to search a little bit harder sometimes than others. Well, I think, uh, Sinead, on that very lovely point, um, I'd like to say thank you so much for re-recording this for the second time. <laughs> we do laugh. I am sitting here panicking that it won't be on, but it will be. Um, oh. Amazing, amazing chat. 
and um, I mean, I've learned so much, um, even though we've spoken many times. Um, it's always lovely to see you and Miss Cheeky Pants. And um, we will be doing a special episode with Elizabeth Soft, but it's going to be a shorter episode. We're going to do... Nine words long. Nine words, nine words answers. There'll be one yeah. word nine questions yes or it no. could go one way or the other let's be honest i mean i i, th- I feel that if if because when we recorded this the other night we did we sort of tag team didn't we and elizabeth we came did. on for a bit and then you came on for a bit and then she got bored and came back but i kind of feel that that your your journey as a parent is just i mean it's incredible to listen to how you just got through this as a family, as an individual. Mm. I mean, it really... Um, and we will... Obviously, we'll post um, some of Cheeky Pants' uh, incredible images, not because I've taken them, just the content, on this episode. So um, if you like what you've heard, you can subscribe uh, to Face Value with Brock Elbank on all of the uh, hosting sites that my mate Chris does for me because I'm like Sinead with Awful at Technology. And all I'm going to say is now I'm going to stop recording and all I can say is I hope you've recorded. So I'm going to say goodbye and thank you, Sinead, and look forward to seeing you again soon.